Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Hope you enjoy the show. Today's episode is sponsored by AFR Wholesale. AFR specializes in specialized loans. If you're looking for a renovation, one-time closed construction to permanent, manufactured housing loans, and much more, check out this AIM sponsor. Get connected today by logging into the AIM member portal at brokersarebetter.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Broker to Broker podcast. My name is Mark Summers. I'm the president over here at AIM, president of membership. Uh, Membership's going great. So if you don't have your membership, I'm just going to tell you right now, get in on that. Uh, but today I've known this individual for a while. Uh, she, she's always been great. Uh, the people she brings around, she's fun. Uh, but also, you know, when, when it's business time, she gets down to it. So today I'm going to be interviewing the Jessica Wells. Jessica, thanks for uh, taking time out of your day to join us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah. So if you guys have ever been to one of our events, usually Jessica's like a staple at our events. She always, she always makes it out there. And uh, if you haven't met her or talked to her, you got to go do it. It's fun. Uh, brings a whole new light of everything live business, but we're going to get into her today. So first, what I want to talk about today, Jessica, and don't be afraid to dive into her a little bit is I want to know about you. Okay. Tell me, tell me your background. Tell me, even if it wasn't mortgages, like what helped you prepare to get into this crazy world that we love? Uh, but give me, give me the background of, of yourself and, and what you guys do. Yeah. So um, I am out here in Washington state, born and raised, I've lived like 10 minutes from where I was born. So haven't gone far. Um, but I got into the mortgage industry when I was 19. I um, got fired from a job that I was working for. And my mom worked for Wells Fargo Home Mortgage with a business partner. Her business partner was just moving over to the broker side and they were separating basically. And she needed a processor. Um, so I got fired. Um, got hired on by my mom's business partner. She handed me a stacking order and said, process these files. I'm going to Mexico for a week. I didn't know what a pay stub was. I didn't know what a bank statement was. I just had this list of documents that I had to figure out to put in order, to put in that trans box, to get it up to the lender. Um, so that's where I started, like trial by fire, just kind of thrown in the deep end of the pool and said, here, do this. Um, absolutely love it. I did worked for I worked with her until um, 2011. Um, she moved out of the industry and moved to Mexico, actually moved there. Um, and so then I had another loan officer that I was working with. Um, we, had, we were at Guild at that point. And um, they, he wanted to start his own broker shop. And he came up to me and said, hey, I can't do this without you. You're the best processor I know. Give me a number. I want to bring you on as a partner in this new broker shop. And I was scared to death going through a divorce, two small children, wasn't the great time in my world to be making a move over to a new broker shop. I'm like, I have a 401k, I have health insurance. Like, what am I going to do? This is scary. So I gave him this gigantic number that I thought he'd never pay me gigantic in my head at the time. And right. he said, yeah, sure. I'll pay you that. No problem. He took me out of this fancy seafood dinner and said, yeah, I'll pay you that. Let's do this. So November 1st, actually next week is our, um, one year, our 11 year anniversary of opening this company, November 1st, 2012, we started it together. Um, he did a lot of hard money financing. So in the beginning we were doing a lot of like, he would finance the fix and stuff, and then we would move it into a re, uh, refinance on the conventional side. We had some issues with some investors not liking that we were paying off his liens. And so we ended up splitting and he sold me the company. So in 2015, I took ownership of the company, got my LO license, my broker license, and started doing the front end of everything. And now we're here. 
Awesome, awesome. So, with, when it when it comes to uh, Care Finance Group, what is uh, what's what's the dynamics there? Uh, is it everyone processes their own? Do you guys have in-house processing? How many loan officers do you have? Assistance? Give me give me the breakdown of the of the company itself. Yeah, so um, it's actually a clear choice. Uh, oh, I, did I say care? Yeah, you did. You know, I have written down care, and that's all right. Everyone listening, that's my that's my fault. It's clear choice mortgage. Um, but so we are fairly small. Um, since I'm a processor at heart, like that's what I love. I'm more the back end. I like figuring out the details, the nitty gritty of the files. Um, I have a processor that I've trained. She um, used to be in the industry back in 2004. Got out for a while. Did a bunch of other stuff came back. Um, my sister was my processor for about six years. And then she decided she wanted to be a nurse. Um, once, so she wanted to go to school and she was leaving me and I tried to do third-party processing. It didn't really work out for me. I'm kind of a control freak, especially since I'm the processor behind the scenes. Like I didn't like letting somebody else do everything with my files. Tried that for about a month and decided it wasn't my thing. And so I found somebody hired her on um, she actually had done all of her underwriting. She got her MLO license and underwriting credentials and everything, and then was just looking for a job. And so she's really good at what she does. I've kind of trained her since she'd been out of the industry for so long, um, how I do things and what I do. And then, um, she's great. She's been with me about two years now, two and a half years. Um, and then we have about, uh, there's five LOs that work with us. Most of them are part-time. I've got three that are really full-time, me and two others. Um, and then everybody else is kind of just here and there. They have other regular jobs. One's a CPA, um, one owns a couple other companies. And so they're not real big producers. Um, but I have three of us that are pretty full-time. Um, we're pretty heavy into VA out here. I'm part of vetted VA. Um, right now we're probably about 90%. It's hard to throw a stone without hitting somebody that's a veteran in this side <laughs> of the state. So it's, it's a good market to be in. And I really love assisting and educating my veterans on what they have the ability to do. That's that's great. That's great. Now, um, how have you guys with your, you know, obviously with the current industry, I mean, I know you're heavy VA, but have you guys changed your business? How did you adapt with kind of what's going on in our world today? Yeah. So at the beginning of the year, um, I set a goal to start doing in-person education classes and that's kind of changed a lot. So we hold one a month, at least a couple months this year, I've done two or three. Um, but usually we're doing one a month, which was my goal and we've hit it every month so far. Um, and just a lot of education. The first one was like a two, one buy down classes. We're inviting real estate agents and buyers to these. So it's kind of a free for all for anybody that wants to know more about how they work. Um, the first one was the two, one buy down. Then I did just a general home buyer class. And since then we pretty much stuck to doing VA classes. Um, because with all of that community around here, nobody knows what they can get. Um, so we usually, we've been trying to make it fun at the classes. We added a bingo portion of the class now, and that makes it really interactive. It's hilarious to watch people. Hold on. Tell <laughs> me about this bingo thing. This is, I, I want to hear about, I love bingo. There's <laughs> me and my family actually go to a local bingo hall sometimes. So I love bingo. I want to hear this idea. Well, it's, it's really funny. Like people love bingo. Like you mentioned bingo and then people show up. So what we did is I had the class. Um, my sister still does some marketing stuff for me. So she found like a bingo card generator and used the words from my slideshow to go as the bingo. Instead of putting numbers on there, they're words. So as we mm. say a word, like their entitlement is one of them. I got daubers, I got all the stuff and then they can mark it off. And people will like the first like three winners we give, usually they're at, um, we have a lot of little breweries around here. So we usually hold it at a brewery 
And then um, the first three people that get bingo, I give either a six pack or a growler or whatever it is that that brewery offers. Um, but even after we've got the first three winners, there are people that are like, so um, if you have a house already, can you, what's it called when you buy a second house? Because one of the words on there is like bonus entitlement. And so they're like asking and they'll like pick questions to just make us say the words and they'll just keep goading us until we say the words. So it makes it so much more interactive because people are playing a game. And even though everybody else has already won, they're like, no, no, I got to get a bingo before we're done with this. Like I need to know all these questions. So if I miss something on the class and I don't say one of the words I'm supposed to say, they'll sit there and ask me the questions until I say the words. So it's, it's really fun. It's super cool. I love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah. So that's been a huge hit. We would keep trying to change it, but I'm like, I don't think that we can get anything better than bingo. Like we were going to change the game. And one of my loan officers suggested do like hangman or something. And I'm like, I don't think I can advertise a class about hangman. Like, <laughs> like I just don't think yeah. that's a good look. <laughs> yeah. People, people come for bingo. I'm telling you it's, it's American <laughs> pastime. It All is. right. So um, you know, what, what I want to hop into is it, it, I, there's, don't get me wrong, there's a ton of successful people within our industry, but, but the ones that I love, I see, I always contradict myself because I love talking to everyone, but I, I love having these conversations with people because I was a processor at one time. I love having conversations with former processors because to kind of go back on something you said, which I think is true and people who are trying to train new people coming into the industry, throw them into the fire. Um, now, I don't want it to be where it's like, because back then you could throw a file back in someone's lap and it was fine. Now, you know, there's all these compliances and everything, but I, I tell people all the time now, like, yeah, you know, go through your training classes and, and do all this stuff, but really just throw them to the fire. They're going to figure it out. And, and then it's truly the best way to learn in, in, in my eyes. But you were a processor in 2004. And funny thing about that, that's kind of when I was somewhat of a processor too. Um, what have you taken from your time as a processor? Like even back in 04, when, you know, you could do whatever you wanted and still close a loan. I mean, you took things from it. So like, what are, what are like one or two um, of the big takeaways that you could say from your processor that helped you become successful? Yeah, I think um, just knowing the back end of the file and knowing like what, underwriting is looking for. It helps me structure files better. I make all of my loan officers um, process a couple of files. We have processing. They don't have to process on them, but I want them to know the steps and the processes and why we do things. Like it's made me um, realize that, I mean, we submit com complete files. We get the least amount of conditions possible because we know what we're looking for up front. And so it's kind of helped me to make sure I have, have those complete files. I'm looking at everything up front. I don't get conditions as many as I could if I was just, I've worked with loan officers who just give you a 1003 and say, submit this to underwriting, we'll get pay stubs and stuff later. And that just doesn't fly in my world. Like you're going to end up with a file that never can close because you didn't look at everything first. So I'm really good at making sure that we're reviewing everything. I mean, you're going over bank statements. I'm looking fine toothing all kinds of stuff that I don't think general loan officers and people do because they don't aren't used to getting the conditions. I know I'm going to get conditioned for that $10,000 deposit that's in their account because we don't know where it came from. And so I'm asking questions up front and it kind of makes people feel more secure that they know that, Hey, she's looked at all of my stuff. She's asking me these questions. She's not just saying, Oh, we'll wait for underwriting to do that. So it's basically like we're pre underwriting files in the office before they even go up to underwriting. So 
don't know, I've taken a lot from being a processor and I still say that I'm a processor at heart. I probably said it three times already today, but it's, I, I truly enjoy like figuring out the details and the puzzle pieces of it to figure out which program it fits in. And that's came from processing and knowing I could flip files from one program to another. Yeah, you know, and, and there's a lot of times from the processor standpoint, since they are really hands in on the hands on the file, is they might say, okay, and I know I'm being very general here, but uh, you know, I'm not going to go after this condition this way. I'm going to do something else to get this condition removed because I've done this before. You know what right. I mean? And I I think that's a big big point that you know anyone listening to this, even when you look at your files, talk to your processor, see if there's a different way of doing something. If you think it's going to be sticky, if it's just go get a paste up, go get a paste up. But there's certain things that we all know that, okay, if I do this, then I can get this away. And that's the part I want to stay away from. Yeah, definitely. Like there's stuff, um, there's a file I have right now that the borrower cannot find their W-2s. For whatever reason, they can't find their W-2s. So knowing what I know at the back end processing, I send them to the IRS and go get a W-2 transcript and then they can pull that up and they have it right there. So there's things like that, that I know that we can use as a workaround or, on a VA, you don't have to um, source the earnest money deposit. If you've got a DU approval, it'll say on there that if the earnest money is less than 2% of the purchase price, you don't have to source it. So when I see that condition come up on a file, I'm like, hey, we just need to show them the DU findings and we can get rid of this condition. So there's lots of things that you just know from seeing hundreds and probably thousands and thousands of files at this point that I've seen go through. And I'm like, wait, 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 we don't have to do that. This is a new underwriter. Let's ask them about this. This is a, oh, this underwriter knows what they're doing. Like it's, it's, it's fun to have the knowledge. And I'm like, oh, no, I know I can, we can just do it this way. So exactly. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So when, you know, we're talking about the processing world and, and, and you and I were both on the same side of it, but I want to hear from you, what should brokers or originators know about the processing world? Like I, like if you were to talk to them and say, this is what you guys need to know. So you understand it, what would it be? I think the thing that I tell my loan officers the most is tell us the story, tell the processor the story. They don't talk to the borrower. They see a stack of papers. They see, you know, whatever. If there is some explanation for something, we use Trello for all of our files. So there's this top section at the top of Trello that I want them to give me the description. Tell me that they have two kids. Tell me that they're moving here and she's pregnant or whatever the story is, because then you can tell, relate to underwriting and give underwriting the pieces that they know, because all the processor sees and all the underwriter sees is a stack of papers. And if you don't tell a story, um, they're not going to know. I always used to submit my files and we still do to this day with a cover letter saying, Hey, this is what's going on with these borrowers. What was it? The five C's that we used to talk about and go through and say that, you know, their credit is this reason. The collateral is this reason. This is what we're looking for, for this. And this is why we think this works. Give us a story and underwriters are people too. They want people to get into houses just as much as we do. So help them figure it out with you instead of just Oh, you know, this guy has a 605 credit score and we're not going to get this approved eligible. So that doesn't work. We need to know why you think that they should still get into that loan and why their benefit would be to buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's to me, that's that's key is if uh, if you just pass along a file and say, hey, this is you know, these are just the, the quick notes on it. It's not going to work. You know, I, I people need to understand that sometimes these files are very, very time sensitive and there's pressure. And then there's three other deals going on with it that you know all coincide with each other. Uh, there's this going on. Uh, if we need more income, we can use this. Like give it, right. give the whole story. It's almost like, you know, we use something called Dialpad quite a bit. And, and that software where we'll like with AI now will basically, you know, transcribe the conversation. 
You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I, I said, I'm thinking about moving over to something like that where it transcribes it, then I can just give it right to, to, to the processor and say, here you go. I use um, Otter, does the same thing for all my Zoom mm -hmm. calls and stuff like that. It'll record my phone calls. I use it at Fuse. Um, and so when the speakers were speaking, it was transcribing everything they were saying. So I have some of the best notes that I could have gotten because I can't write that fast and it's transcribing it the whole time through. So yeah, as much as you can relay to processing is going to help your files a hundred percent because they don't talk to the borrowers. What, so this is, this is an off the cuff question here. What is one thing that drove you insane as a processor or one piece of advice that you could give to the broker community right now that says, don't do this to your processor? <laughs> um, I had a loan officer that I used to work with that would give um, updates to their borrowers, which that's fine, give updates, but make sure you're giving the accurate update. I had one <laughs> loan officer who would be like, oh yeah, we're through underwriting. We should have docs out on Friday. You can fund next week. I didn't even have an approval yet on the file. And this was back when, you know, it was take week, couple, at least a week to get an approval because you're transboxing, you're sending things all over the place, whatever. Um, and so then the borrower would call me on the back end and be like, so Paula just said that we we're going to be clear to close on Friday and we should have docs out next week. And I'm like, uh, no. And so then I'm getting screamed at by the borrower, screamed at by the loan officer for counteracting. So just make sure if you're updating your borrowers, update them with the accurate information and the true timeline of what you're going through, not what you hope. The same loan officer is one that would, let's submit this file to five different lenders and see which one approves it. No, don't do that either. Like, don't do that either. <laughs> yeah. My my big one, and um, I'm probably going to piss off some people within our industry with what I'm about to say, but let me just be honest with you. It's truthful. It's going to hurt what I'm about to say, uh, but at the same time, it's true. All of the people within my office now, because I use, I mean, we've, I've been doing this for a long time and figured out what the biggest pain points were. And it was always telling realtors and borrowers when they're going to close, right? Mm -hmm. I get these messages all the time from people. And I'm not knocking people. I'm just saying, if you want to make your life easier, and this is a rule we have, we do not schedule a closing unless we have a CTC. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I, 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 yeah, I'm telling you. It's, it's the same it's, type of scenario. <laughs> right. It, it's going to suck calling that realtor, calling that borrower saying, hey, we can't close Friday yet. You know what I mean? Instead of scheduling it, having these realtors, all these title companies do all this back end work. And then you call the day before and say, Hey, we don't, we can't close yet. That makes everything worse. So I get these messages and I'm not ever going to name names here, but it's just like, Hey, we're closing tomorrow and I need this condition clear. No, you're not like, just don't do it. Like I get it. There's timing constraints, but just, I'm telling everyone do not schedule a closing unless you have a CTC. That's my rant for the day. Sorry. Yeah. It will no, leave it. Do you agree or disagree? I 100% agree with that. My my uh, saying here is uh, under promise and over deliver. So set yep. if you want to tell them they can close, set your closing date out. You know, don't actually set it, but just be like, hey, we should be able to close by the end of the month. Now, when you get your closing scheduled for today, because you got your CTC yesterday and you get docs out and everything's good to go, you look like a hero and you don't look like a jerk who promised you could close by the 27th and you're actually going to be behind on your schedule. Definitely like right. set proper expectations. Don't schedule closings until 
everything is clear to close. I yeah, I can go off on that same rant. That is yeah, <laughs> definitely <a good> one. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No, so sorry if I offended anyone out there that's listening, but I'm telling you, just from experience and people I talked to across the country, those people that don't have those problems, their job is much easier. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, so let's talk about Fuse 6. So people that are listening, um, I had something pop up. I'm not going to get into it, but I couldn't attend Fuse. Um, it killed me. It, it absolutely killed me that I couldn't be there. Um, I was seeing everyone post on Facebook, and I'm getting messages. Hope you're okay, and thank you to the entire community that was reaching out to me. Everything's fine now. We're good. Uh, but at the same time, I couldn't wait for it to get done because I was having a serious case of FOMO. That's a good thing, right? But no, it, it looked like everything went well. I know you were there. So tell us about your Fuse, and it was the sixth one, your Fuse 6 um, uh, experience that you had. Yeah, so it was um, really good. Like, I always love getting to go talk to all my friends and seeing everybody. Like, it's fun hanging out. We did the, um, we had a welcoming party the night before with my coaching, with 2020 coaching and stuff that we did, and some Vet VA people were there, so that was cool. Um, Thursday, I got to speak at the on the panel on the Women's Mortgage Network, and the, all of the panels that day were great. It was a good time. Um, really enjoyed all of that. Um, and then Friday was good. I spent a lot of time with the vendors on Friday and hanging out in the vendor hall and kind of getting to talk to the people who I hadn't really spent a lot of time with before. Um, I got to hang out in the VIP lounge and talk to a bunch of people in there. So that was fun. Um, and then Saturday, Katie's main, um, her keynote was amazing. I came down, I woke up Saturday, super sick though. I thought I had just drank too much Friday night. <laughs> and so I made myself go down there. Turns out I came home and I didn't have COVID, but it, there was some nasty flu. I had body aches. It was terrible. And so Saturday, I forced myself to go down there and listen to Matt and Katie and everybody speak. And the AI panel, oh my goodness, Russell's AI panel with Enrique and Russell and, and was it Tom that was doing that? Was amazing on Saturday just to see all the stuff. He did a flyer on Canva in like 32 seconds. Like it was absolutely insane. So Fuse was was great. All the parties are always a good time. Getting to hang out with everybody and kind of bouncing ideas of what everybody else is doing off of each other is one of my favorite parts is just the networking, I think. And then I have people all over the country I can talk to. I have the people that work at the lenders that I can call and talk to because we met each other and they know who I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the relationships is what probably my favorite part about Fuse, definitely. You know, we're, we're going to talk about your panel here in a second, but you know what cracks me up about our industry you know, over the last six, seven years, I can't tell you how many events we've either put on or I've been to. Um, and I've been in different industries as well. You know, when you go to different industries and their uh, shows and stuff like this, when you get together with people, you never talk about your industry. Our industry, that's all you talk about. It's like one of those yeah. things, like every time I see someone, I'm like, okay, uh, you know, just talked about a CRM, then I go to this person and then we start talking about, it's like in, in our industry and in our, our shows, you never start stop talking business. It's it's really weird. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's a change from the shows that we used to go to when I was a broker and going to the different, I am a broker, but being a broker, going to different industry events that were not specifically for brokers, nobody would come talk to me there. I felt like low man on the totem pole was nobody that was anything. Then not, you go to Fuse and you go to anything that AIM puts on and we're all brokers and we're all just sitting there like, oh, you should try this or you should do this. Or did you see, have you tried doing this part with, chat GPT or have you done this or have you used this lender for this program? Like everybody's always willing to just suggest what we should be doing or what's working for them and what's not working for them. And it is 
that is really all we talk about. Apparently mortgages are important to us or something. <laughs> I don't know, we can't talk about anything else better, but no, it's good. Um, okay, so talk to me about, so you were on a panel on Thursday, if I'm if I'm not yes. mistaken, correct? So yep. what was your what was your panel about? Um, it was empowering um, empowering buyers through education. So it was myself. Oh, we already talked about that. That's perfect. Yeah. So it was myself yeah. and Jamie and RCN. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Um, it'll pop into my head in a second. Um, and we just talked about, like, I talked about my classes that I've been doing. Um, the gal from RCN was talking about all the different education pieces that brokers can get through their system and how they educate you so you can be able to use those programs and then educate your buyers as and investors and how these programs work that they have. Um, so that way you're not just throwing them into a loan that they don't understand and you don't understand. It gives you, so she was talking about that part of education. I also talked a little bit about how I use video um, because most of the time when we're talking, you're talking to one spouse or the other. And so instead of having the conversation two or three times, I'll record like my initial pre-approval email. I send three options out. I'll go over the fee worksheet. I send it as a video. And I preemptively answer the questions that I know people are going to ask. And I'll watch and that video gets played three, four, or five times. And then they'll send me a text. Hey, thanks. So we don't have, you know, we don't have the questions right now because you already answered all our questions. Um, so those were the, we talked just like how we're using our tools and education to keep people informed the whole way through the process, before the process. And I, that was pretty much what we talked about. What's, so so with all the other, I mean, the show was great. I mean, I've, I've been kind of watching some clips here and stuff and just talking to people. Um, the, the content is, was and is unbelievable. What, uh, what did you take from other sessions while you were there? Um, I think that seriously, the biggest mind blowing thing was watching Russell use the chat GPT to do stuff. Like that's something that I've been using a little bit. Like I've had it help me do scripts and stuff like that, or it helped me do an email campaign when I was having an issue with a real estate agent and I typed out this big, nasty email, then I put it into chat GPT and had it make it pretty for me. <laughs> so, and so I didn't sound like I was being so nasty anymore. Um, but watching him use it for, um, the like Canva stuff and the different tools that he was doing. Like that was the most mind blowing, like big thing that I took away. I think and it, it was something little, but I think that's something that I can use the most every day. That's my, I've used it a couple of times already and had it make me stuff. I've showed my friends who run other companies, look what ChatGPT can do. You can make Canva do this. You can do this. And they're like, Jessica, why do you keep talking about it? I'm like, cause AI is here to stay. If you don't embrace yeah. it, it's gonna take you out. It's not gonna take you out, but you're gonna be behind the wheel basically. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. One last question for you. Cause I know we're, we're all super busy here. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm going to bring up fuse again because obviously we're having it next year. We want it to be bigger, badder than ever before because it's, it's truly an event that helps our industry and it's, and it sets us up for growth. It sets us, sets us up for the future. It sets us up just to be better and take more market share. What would be your one big piece of advice to brokers who didn't come or kind of like got their guard up saying, I'm never going to go? Like, what would you say and why, why they should come to Fuse? I think it's not just the nuggets and things that you get from the actual um, content of the show that's important, but it's the relationships you build with the other brokers around the country. So then when you know, hey, you know, Jessica talked about VA loans, you have mm -hmm. somebody that you can call and ask a question. I probably have... 55 phone numbers in my phone right now that have people I've seen at Fuse that I could pick up the phone and call and be like, hey, remember we talked about this? 
when we were sitting at the table at lunch and they'd be like, oh yeah, okay, can you help me do that? And they'll help me. So I think it's not only all the content that we get and, you know, getting to see Matt Ishbia speak is always awesome. Getting to see all the speakers that come in is great. The panels of watching other people up there on stage is great. But the one-on-one -on -one interaction you get with people and just don't be afraid to walk up and talk to people. Everybody that you talk to, I don't think I've run into one person that was like, I'm busy. Don't talk to me right now. Like everyone's like, oh, hey, let's let, you know, let's chat for a minute. So just it's worth it. It's worth going. Even if you can only make it for a part of it, go for a part of it and hang out and just meet people and make those connections because that's what's going to keep us going is all the connections that we're making. Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely love it. My friends, that was Jessica, Jessica Wells of Clear Choice Mortgage. She, uh, you knocked it out of the park here today. And, and I'm telling you, like one thing I talk about our events, even, even not our events, but like social media, just anytime we're within our community, go talk to people, right? Go, go collaborate with them. And I'm telling you, whether you're new, middle of the road, older, been in this business a long time, she's the perfect person to go speak to. You know what I mean? Like she's, as you can tell, just completely easy to talk to. Um, we'll open up everything about her business, what worked, what didn't. Um, she's a lot of fun to be around too. I've, I've had, <laughs> had a few drinks with you. Uh, but with that being said, she's the epitome of what we want here in membership and, and aim. And it's the easy to talk to and giving up her time and doing it selflessly. So Jessica, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a blast. No problem. So brokers, if you want to get caught up on all of our po past podcast episodes, please head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker. You can listen, you can also listen to all the broker to broker podcast episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere where you can get and download podcasts. Do me a favor, rate it, uh, subscribe to it, download it, do whatever you got to do. It helps us get the podcast out there and spread the word that brokers are better. Jessica, you are one of them. Thanks. Have a good day, everybody. Brokers, are you looking for the best resources to succeed? The AIM member portal is your one-stop destination for everything you need. Get healthcare for your team, submit and track AIM escalations for high-level loan issues, join the referral list, change AEs, and obtain exclusive discounts. And you will have access to over 50 AIM lenders and vendors. Don't wait and sign up today at brokersarebetter.com.